0: We're going to be continuing our lesson on the significance of hope, which um, I think has been a little interesting, at least for me it has. So I'm not going to be able to go into a whole lot of review um, because I really, really want to pick up right where we left off. However, I will read the last scripture, and when I read it, I'm going to share it out of the message because... When we ended last time, we were talking about the creative process that goes into doing things. First, you have to be able to conceive something so that you can get a mental picture based upon the word of whatever your goal is. And then you have to go ahead and once you've conceived it, you've got to really believe it and then start confessing it and speaking about it. It's basically a format that God has created from the very, very beginning of time. That's how he created all of us. And we talked about that. We talked about the importance of it. And I gave you the analogy of how you really should start out with a blueprint of whatever it is that you're believing God for. And how with starting out that blueprint, you recognize the importance of you really being clear on what it is. Because you can't, if a builder is building a house for you, you cannot establish a blueprint and then just keep changing it every other day because then the house will never get built. And we as believers, when we're believing God for something, we cannot do that either. We have to be clear. So the most important part of the creative process, which is where our hope is established and started, is in that blueprint that we create. And the last thing... Or where we left off, we went to James. So I want you to go back to James, the first chapter, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 8, because this is something that's extremely important when you are establishing your blueprint. You need to remember what's contained in James 1, 5 through 8. So I'm going to share it with you out of the Amplified. Last time we were together, we, we read it out of three different translations, but tonight I'm just going to share it out of the Amplified. And it says... If any of you lacks wisdom, the qualifier for that is to guide him through a decision or circumstance. He is to ask of our benevolent God who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. But he must ask for wisdom in faith without doubting God's willingness to help for the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. For such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable and restless in all his ways, in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. Because in the creative process of us starting out with our blueprint, we need to seek the wisdom of God. We need to make sure he is directing our path. And I was clear enough to share with you the last time we were together, I am guilty of being a person who's made all kinds of decisions of, oh, I'm going to start a business. And I think I have my business plan all straightened out. And then in the midst of it, I realized, oh, there were some things that I was not aware of that I didn't know. So therefore I could not reach my goal because what I should have done, I was a perfect example of pulling the cart before the horse. I should have gone and spoken with the father, found out all of those details instead of relying on myself, but relying on him. Then I would have had a clear blueprint and I could have continued on and reached the goal. I shared that about me, but I submit to you. I am sure that I am not the only one who has made that mistake before, which is why we are discussing it now. Okay, so. I wanted to talk about, there are people who actually want to be married. I mean, it's not like it's a bad thing, <laughs> okay? Um, and it's a desire, it, it, it makes sense, you know, I mean, it's not anything wrong, it's something that's instituted by God, and there are people who really, you know, this is something they're believing God for, and they're looking forward to their husband or their wife, and, and they've actually thought about it actively, it's part of their day-to-day thought process. And all I want to say is that it is extremely important that they seek God out and seek out his plan for their life because every single detail, when they're making out the blueprint for this husband or wife, every single detail needs to be in that blueprint, okay, when it's created. Because you see, God, his input in this particular situation, I think in all situations, but especially in a situation of marriage, His input is crucial in your plan because think about it. You're still his child that he created to be in fellowship with him and more importantly to be in service to him. Therefore, you need to have a mate that is going to fit perfectly into his plan for your life. So it cannot just be somebody that you pick, that you think is wonderful, and that you just think, oh, this is so great. Oh, he's so fine. Oh, this and that. Or, oh, she's just gorgeous. No, 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 It has to be someone that's going to fit in God's plan for your life. Therefore, you need to do what we just talked about in James 1 and really seek him to find out who that person is. I mean... Can you agree with that? Amen. Okay. And I submit to you that this is where many people miss it. And then they get married, and then they're unhappy, and then they can't figure out why, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, you should have sought him first. That would have helped. Uh, They limit themselves also when they don't seek him. And this is with anything, not just with marriage, and anything that you want to do. When you don't seek God first, you are limiting yourself to your finite wisdom opposed to God's infinite wisdom. It's just so much easier to have his infinite wisdom instead of us just trying to rely on ourselves. It's obviously better to have a clearly laid out blueprint established by God, assured by his word, so that you can proceed with just applying your faith, believing for your goal, and in this particular scenario I gave of your wife or your husband, and start speaking them into existence. It is important that you also recognize, this is very key, the power of your words. Therefore, you must speak what is laid out in your blueprint because your blueprint is symbolizing what? Your hope. If not, if you're not speaking what's laid out in your blueprint, you're altering your creation and should not be surprised when your goal does not manifest. So if you are believing God for anything and it's laid out in this blueprint and then you start, well, I, you know, yes, I am believing God for this, this man of God who's going to take care of me and he is going to provide every single thing for our household and for our family and he's just going to be a gentleman and he's going to cherish me and he's going to treasure me and we're going to just build this wonderful life serving the Lord. And then, you know, you sit and look at some program on TV or some girlfriend tells you something and then you're like, well, yeah, but you know well, you know, it's okay if he really doesn't, you know, like to be all that nice. Maybe we don't have date night. Maybe you've already ruined what you laid out in the blueprint. You're speaking one thing, thinking something else, which means you're what? You're double-minded. You're wavering. So don't expect to get that man of God. Skip it, forget it, and just go back, get a pine ice cream and call (laughs) it. Okay, that's probably what's going to happen. Too often, when Christians are waiting for something to manifest, it is simply because they are changing the God-given format. If you take time to think about it, some of the things that you are waiting to come into fruition have not because you have not established a clear blueprint which occurs at the conception of what you want to create. I will say that again. Sometimes, okay, Some of the things that you are waiting to come into fruition have not, because you have not established a clear blueprint, which occurs at the conception of what you want to create. When you have nothing firm to apply your faith to or clarity of what to speak into existence, I mean, what do you expect? In other words, your goal is in delay mode and depending upon your actions can be ruined altogether. Okay, because maybe hopefully you'll realize the error of your ways, make a mid course correction, go back to the beginning and clarify and correct your blueprint. Okay, hopefully you'll do that, but oftentimes that's not what people do, they just scrap the whole thing and the whole thing is ruined. Now, the sad part is that then you may start to blame God when in fact you were without hope to begin with, it comes back to your error, not God. Now, there is an ongoing struggle in our minds that continues to take place. There's no way to get away from that. We live in this world and we receive what constant reminders that we do. I mean, you receive stimulus all day long that you are in this world. Our minds are connected. Here's, this is key. Our minds are connected to our flesh, our ears, eyes, and all of our senses our minds receiving information from our senses will naturally focus on negative things. Have you ever noticed how it's much easier to believe and expect negative things? For instance, it's a lot easier for you to pick up the phone and somebody tell you that you owe them money and you forgot a payment and it's late. It's like that's believable to you. You can (laughs) accept that. Whereas if someone calls up and says, oh, by the way, you just won a million dollars and it's downtown at, you know, City National Bank. you like, yeah, right. Yeah. Why is it so easy for us to believe something negative more so than to believe something that is in our favor or positive? That's something else to think about. Now, the good news is that our minds are also connected to our spirits. That's Amen. very, very key. Amen. Now, our spirits, job is to send the word of God to our minds. God's word will continually reinforce the mental image of God's promise that hope has created there. Oh, I love that. That's very, very important. Now, our faith will always manifest the promise of God's word as long as we continue to hold fast and never give up. That's the key. We can never, ever, ever give up. Turn with me to Hebrews And we're going to look at the 10th chapter, verses 19 through 25. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 25. Okay. I'm going to share it with you out of the Amplified, where it says, Therefore, believers, since we have confidence and full freedom to enter the holy place, the place where God dwells, by means of the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way, which he initiated and opened for us through the veil, as in the Holy of Holies, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great and wonderful priest who rules over the house of God, let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we can encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Now, if I look at it in the easy to read, it's a little bit easier to understand. So I'm going to share it there. And it says, and so brothers and sisters, We are completely free to enter the most holy place. We can do this without fear because of the blood sacrifice of Jesus. We enter through a new way that Jesus opened for us. It is a living way that leads through the curtain, Christ's body. And we have a great priest who rules the house of God. Sprinkled with the blood of Christ, our hearts have been made free from a guilty conscience and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So come near to God with a sincere heart, full of confidence, because of our faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. We must hold on to the hope we have, never hesitating to tell people about it. We can trust God to do what He promised. We should think about how we should think about each other to see how we can encourage each other to show love and do good works. We must not quit meeting together as some are doing. No, we need to keep on encouraging each other. This becomes more and more important as you see the day getting closer. Never giving up is something that you hear us teach all the time. We always will because it is linked to your faith. We will be discussing this in even more detail during the series we're currently teaching on Sunday titled Faith is the Currency of the Kingdom. If you carefully look at your life and thoroughly examine some things in your past that did not manifest as intended, you may find that the cause is that you simply gave up. Remember, we are not of this world, but we are still dealing with the things that we hear all of the time. We may be in the midst of doing something correctly. We may have our blueprint intact. We are focusing on the goal and may even start speaking it into existence. Something comes along to distract our attention or we hear something that causes the distraction and we then begin to give up. It's no different than what Peter did when he got out of the boat and was walking on the water to Jesus. He was walking on the water the same way Jesus was. It wasn't until he started to do what? look at the wind, see the circumstances around him. And I love it because every single translation says that he began to sink. He didn't sink immediately. It was him looking at the circumstances. That is what caused him to begin to sink. So the point is we cannot allow ourselves to stoop down to the level of what we see or how we feel. We have to stand completely on what we are believing The word of God has for us and not waver. That's what it is that we have to do. And I'll give you an example of how we can easily just get distracted. Now, every Christmas season, you know, I'm going to sneak Christmas into every message if I can, okay? Every Christmas season, we as a nation, and this is very true, including Christians, tend to overindulge a little bit with our eating, okay? Now, we excuse it away because after all, it's Christmas, Okay, but when January arrives, (coughs) more exercise equipment and gym memberships are sold than any other time of the year. Now, as Christians, we start out with our blueprint. We have our goal in sight and we are believing for a fantastic outcome. We start talking about our goal and we might even be bold enough to go ahead and purchase a celebratory outfit to wear when our goal is realized. We have the correct God-instituted format in place. Why is it that the majority of Christians who have been taught the word don't cross the finish line? What happens? God is still sitting on the throne. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I submit to you, the finish line is not crossed because we just give up. Sure, we may lose a few pounds, which is better than nothing, however, what happened to the blueprint we created? More importantly, why did we get distracted and give up on our goal? Now, this is critical when you think about it because this happens in more serious areas of life. Uh, meaning, I gave you something that's real, you know, it's not that big a deal. We do do it though. but. This is something, if you're believing God for your finances, if you're believing God for your health, if you're believing God for a new job, a different job, a promotion on your job, if you're believing God for your children, I mean, it can go on and on and on. But the point is, that same behavior is still something that you've got to guard yourself against so that you don't fall into the habit of just giving up. Because when you do, what happens? You fail to cross the victory. You you fail to cross that finish line to victory. And that happens more often than we ever want to think about. But the point is, it is happening. So perhaps, and this is key to me too, we're placing more confidence in ourselves rather than in the faithfulness of God and all that he has provided for us. And when you think about that, Because we do live in this world where we are taught from the beginning of time to be very, very self-sufficient. And we sometimes allow that to cross over into us wanting to take care of everything ourselves. And I had shared in the last lesson how sometimes people get in a position where, say for instance, they really would like to have more money in their hand. Instead of them looking at it like, well, okay, I'm going to, and this ties into Sunday, of operate the principles of the kingdom so that I can get more money by believing God and giving more because that's the principle of the kingdom of God to get more. We start to do things like, well, I'm gonna go get another job. I can get a part-time job. I'll work my full-time job and maybe I'll get something to work at home. You, you, you is in that whole equation where you're looking at yourself for the answer instead of looking to God who's already provided you with all that you need. You just need to trust him and operate in the principles of his kingdom. Turn with me to Colossians, the first chapter, and we're gonna look at verse 23. Colossians 1, the first chapter of Colossians, verse 23. You're welcome. And I'm gonna share it with you first out of the New King James Version. And it says, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. If we look at it in the Amplify, and he will do this, and he's talking about Jesus, okay? This is Paul who's writing this. And he will do this if you continue in the faith, well-grounded and steadfast, and not shifting away from the confident hope That is a result of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which gospel I, Paul, was made a minister. Then I like how the message really portrays it best. And it says, you yourselves are a case study of what he does. I like that. (laughs) At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving him completely, giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together, whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned in to the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. It doesn't get any clearer, really, than that. The other thing that happens oftentimes is that we lack patience. (laughs) You've heard people say, I'm just praying for patience. They want patience. We would be, now I want you to think of it this way. We would be annoyed with our children if we promised them something and they kept asking us about it as if they didn't hear or trust what we said. Now, it's somewhat expected with a small child, you know, like a a little, somebody under, say, six years old. You know, if you tell them you're going to take them to the movies on Friday, they're going to ask you. If you tell them that on Sunday, they're going to ask you Monday, Tuesday. What? They're asking you every day. Is it Friday? We're going to go. Even though now the children are really more, they're more mature than that. So maybe three. Okay, we'll go down to three years old because six, they can probably look it up on their iPhone and tell you when the movie starts. So when they're little, you know, they're going to keep bugging you because they're tiny. But think about it. Their brains haven't had the ability to really develop to understand any different. That's why they're doing that. But now, if the person is 21 years old and they're doing that, that becomes annoying. Okay, you you know, that is not something that you are generally going to find acceptable. Now, as God's children, how do you think he must feel? Let's look at Romans. Turn with me to Romans 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to share it with you first out of the message. And it says, By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Now, if we look at that in the easy to read version, Mm. it's shortened to the point and it says, we have been made right with God because of our faith. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our faith, Christ has brought us into what into that blessing of God's grace that we now enjoy. And we are very happy because of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. And we are also happy with the troubles we have. Why are we happy with the troubles? Because we know that these troubles make us more patient. And this patience is proof that we are strong. And this proof gives us hope. And this hope will never disappoint us. We know this because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts through the Holy Spirit he gave us. That's the advantage of having the experiential building block that we have in our lives. We can look back at how he has taken care of us and be able to be just, that should be something to encourage you to realize. If he did it then, What do you think? He's going to not do it again? He's going to always take care of you. That's exactly what that tells you. And it should be something that totally encourages you. you. Now, I have to read it out of this one. Okay, This is the Amplified. This is the last one. Therefore, since we have been justified, here is the qualifier, that is, acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God. By faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. Through him, we also have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble, produces patient endurance, and endurance, proven character, spiritual maturity, and proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation, such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This, to me, should beyond a doubt, beyond a shadow of a doubt, be very, very encouraging to us to know that it does not matter what you are growing through at the moment. God's got you he wants only the best for you and you can have confidence not in yourself but in his faithfulness so no matter what you know that you can stand firmly on the faithfulness of the God whom you serve I think that is just absolutely wonderful now you're already in Romans so turn with me really quickly to Romans 8 and we're going to look at verses 18 through 25 Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. (sighs) Okay. What I'm going to do... Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Maybe I can. All right. Let's just go. All right. The Amplified. For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. For even the whole creation, all nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly, because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be freed from its bondage to decay and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now, I'm going to stop there. When you get a chance, finish reading this in the Amplified, okay? Because the Amplified gives you the qualifiers, but the Amplified, it's something that you've got to kind of like really take your time to digest. And because I really want you to get the point of this, I'm going to switch over and give it to you out of the easy to read. Okay, so the easy to read says it this way. We have sufferings now, but these are nothing compared to the great glory that will be given to us. Everything that God made is waiting with excitement for the time when he will show the world who his children are. The whole world wants very much for that to happen. Everything God made was allowed to become like something that cannot fulfill its purpose. That was not its choice but God made it happen with this hope in view, that the creation would be made free from ruin, that everything God made would have the same freedom and glory that belonged to God's children. We know that everything God made has been waiting until now in pain, like a woman ready to give birth to a child. Not only the world, but we also have been waiting with pain inside us. We have the spirit as the first part of God's promise. So we are waiting for God to finish making us his own children. I mean, we are waiting for our bodies to be made free. We are saved to have this hope. If we see what we are waiting for, that is not really hope. People don't hope for something they already have, but we are hoping for something we don't have yet, and we are waiting for it patiently. Oh, I really, really like that. The message says this, that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Everything in creation is being more or less held back. God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs, but it's not only around us. It is within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. That is a perfect example In using a woman who is waiting for her child to be born, because if you've ever (laughs) been blessed to carry a child, that's exactly how it feels. You're getting bigger and bigger. You don't. Well, I mean, now you know they tell you what you're having ahead of time, but the old-fashioned way, where you don't know what you're having, you're just sitting with with expectancy. But you learn a certain amount of patience during that time, because guess what? You cannot. all things being equal, bring that time on before needed. God is in control of that. But the point is there's an excitement, there's an expectancy. And with all of the foolishness and all of the mess that's going on around us, we as believers can have that now because we see the stuff that we're seeing, but we're not to be moved by that because we're here for a purpose. It's true, but it's not. we are not governed by the stuff that we're seeing. We've got to find confidence in that. We can find peace in that. And we should just find solace in knowing that the best is yet to come. And we have that expectancy within us. Amen? Okay. Well, I want to encourage you to ask yourselves the question, what are you focusing on in your life? Let's look at a scripture that gives us some guidance in this area. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. The fourth chapter, and we're going to look at the 18th verse. Second Corinthians 4, and we're going to look at verse 18. And we're all very much familiar with this, I'm sure. In the New King James Version, it says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. But the, but the things which are not seen are what? Eternal the amplified says so we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are unseen for the things which are visible are temporal just brief and fleeting but the things which are invisible are everlasting and imperishable and the message says so we're not giving up how could we even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us on the inside where god is making new life not a day goes by without his unfolding grace these hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times the lavish celebration prepared for us there's far more here than meets the eye the things we see now are here today gone tomorrow but the things we can't see now will last forever Amen. we can never forget the fact and I love this that we have the Holy Spirit turn with me you should already know this I'm sure you do but turn with me or write it down John 14 verse 26 and my favorite translation of this is the Amplified John's Gospel the 14th chapter verse 26 and it says but the helper comforter advocate intercessor Counselor, Strengthener, Standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. I absolutely love that. He teaches us all things and helps us really remember everything that Jesus has already told us. Now, this verse of Scripture I actually, I reminded our children every day of the scripture when they were going to school. It was part of our morning prayer that we said, you know, every day before they left. Um, And it's really interesting because I see my daughter doing this with her three sons. I mean, my granddaughter is still too small to really get it, but she does this with the boys. And I just am so blessed by this because one of the things, part of what was in the prayer was that, uh, we prayed that the Holy Spirit would bring back to their remembrance everything that they had learned and needed to know. And should they have any tests or quizzes that day, that <laughs> they would score a high on them, bringing honor and glory to the kingdom of God. That set them out with a certain amount of confidence and peace, not in themselves. But in the Holy Spirit that was within them. So because out in our school district, and I guess they do it everywhere, teachers love to come up with pop-up quizzes. And you know, you if you're not prepared for that or you weren't thinking about it, some people would get nervous or whatever, and I didn't want them to ever have that. Because it's like there is nothing that the teachers can present to you that guess what? The Holy Spirit Already knows. So, all you need to do is put your confidence in the Holy Spirit that indwells you and know that you will be fine. Just yield to Him. Allow Him to bring back to your remembrance every single thing you've ever learned, everything that you've ever been taught, and you will score high. And when you do that, you score high on those tests, you're bringing honor and glory to His kingdom. Now, to me, I think that's a wonderful thing, and I share it with you because, okay, even though you may not be in a school setting, if you go out of your house, okay, that's a good reason to use this scripture, okay, because you're still going to come in contact with other people, and we already know sometimes you need to really exercise your faith and remember whose you are. We're dealing with some of the people, you know, that you may come in contact with, and especially if you work a actual job somewhere, It's the same thing because, again, they may come in with a new program. You know, like sometimes you may be at work, and all of a sudden they just decide to change the computer program on you. And you've got to learn this now. Guess what? The Holy Spirit can bring everything that they're telling you back to your remembrance so that you can do it smooth as silk. So it's just a wonderful thing. So I strongly suggest that it might be something that you want to consider because think about it. It's not just the Holy Spirit. We have the whole entire Godhead indwelling us. So there's nothing at all that we cannot achieve and achieve it well, bringing honor and glory to him. So when we are operating in the God kind of hope, we must ignore the circumstances and instead focus on the internal image of God's promise being fulfilled in our lives. Let me show you something that I think will really help you and all of us hold on to the mental picture that hope actually creates. Turn with me to Hebrews, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 18 and 19. Now, earlier, last week, we actually looked at the same scripture, and at the time, I shared it with you out of the Amplified, the Easy to Read, and the Message Translations. This time, I'm going to share it with you out of the New King James, the Living Bible, and the Amplified Classic, because it is different. So, Hebrews 6, starting with verse 18, in the New King James Version, it says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. If we look at it in the Living Bible, it says, he has given us both his promise and his oath. Two things we can completely count on, for it is impossible for God to tell a lie. Not all those who flee to him to save them can take, oh, excuse me, I said now. now yeah, now all those who flee to him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. Now they can know without doubt that he will give them the salvation he has promised them. This certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God himself behind the sacred curtains of heaven. And the Amplified Classic says, This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us. We who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast to the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope, As a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of his presence within the veil. That is very, very powerful. I Definitely very, very powerful. With that, okay, what I want you to see, oh, okay, forgive me. The key things in that that we just read, it talked about his promise and his oath. They are two unchangeable things. The point being is, in this whole process, in this whole thing we've been talking about, you establishing a blueprint based upon his word. The thing that you've got to get if you get nothing else, which is why we even talked about in the prayer series, it's important that you learn not to pray your word, but to pray his word. If you're going to stand on a promise, you don't stand on a promise that you make or somebody else makes to you. You stand on the promise of the Most High God. He cannot lie because he has given everything. He gave his promise and his oath. He didn't use somebody else to say this and that. He gave himself. Okay? So the point is, we can have mightily, just like it's said in Scripture mightily indwelling strength and strong encouragement to hold on to that mental image. There's no reason for us to ever, ever, ever let go of a mental image that is based on the promise of God. No reason at all. So if you are believing for healing, you see yourself healed. I don't give a care how much pain you might be growing through and might be coming to attack against you. I don't care what the doctors may say. I don't care if they put some kind of time limit. You do not have an expiration date that they know of because they did not give you life. Do not pay attention to it. You see yourself based on the truth of the word of God and only see that and accept nothing less than that. That's your job. That's what you have to do. Keep this in mind, a promise and this is key. A promise is an unchangeable commitment. I'm going to finish this. on so only takes two minutes. A promise is an unchangeable commitment that God has obligated himself to fulfill. His oath is the covenant that he made with us through his son, Jesus. This hope then becomes an anchor to our soul, or mind and this anchor reaches all the way into the security of his presence when we have this kind of hope we can see through and beyond the storms of life and hold on to the hope until our faith brings substance to his promise that is really something now turn with me really 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 quick to Romans 5 13 and I'm going to just share it with you quickly out of the message. When you get the opportunity, of course, look at other translations. I like Amplified. I like the easy to read, and of course, the New King James. But because of time, I'm just going to share it with you out of the message. Romans 5.13, and it says, So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. Jesus Staying true to God's purposes reached out in a special way to the Jewish insiders so that the old ancestral promises would come true for them. As a result, the non-Jewish outsiders have been able to experience mercy and to show appreciation to God. Just think of all the scriptures that will come true in what we do. For instance, then I'll join outsiders in a hymn sing. I'll sing to your name. And this one. Outsiders and insiders rejoice together. And again, people of all nations celebrate God. All colors and races races give hearty praise. And Isaiah's word, there's the root of our ancestor Jesse, breaking through the earth and growing tree tall, tall enough for everyone everywhere to see and take hope. Oh, may the God of green hope fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace. So that your believing lives filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit with brim over with hope. And the last thing I'm going to share with you is 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 16 and 18. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 16 and 18. And I'm going to share it with you out of the Amplified. And it says, Therefore, we do not become discouraged. Here is the qualifier, spiritless, disappointed, or afraid. Though our outer self is progressively wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day by day. For our momentary light distress, this passing trouble, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, a fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor, and an endless blessedness so we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are unseen for the things which are visible are temporal just brief and fleeting but the things which are invisible are everlasting and imperishable amen please spend some quality time and ask yourself what are you hoping for what are you creating in your mind with god's word what do you want to see manifested in your life? I trust that you will allow hope to create a mental image of that promise being fulfilled. Please, please remember, what you conceive and believe is what you will actually receive. I hope that this lesson has given you something to think about and has shed more light on the significance of hope. Amen. Praise God.